Today we're going to focus on educational research. Charlotte, I want to just start off by asking you about your sense of what it feels like to be an educational researcher in a healthcare context, but a qualitative educational researcher. I imagine, is that a bit lonely? Fortunately, it's not been lonely. What I would say is that quantitative research still does dominate in health professions education research but I'm very fortunate in that I've never felt lonely as I've worked with many fabulous qualitative researchers over the years ranging from early career researchers all the way through to very senior researchers and what I would say about the qualitative process is that for me it's very collaborative so you know in the research teams that I work in where we do qualitative research we do you know, team-based qualitative analysis, and that's very collaborative and certainly more collaborative in that respect than when I do quantitative research, you know, because typically you have one person do the analysis. That's not always the case. So obviously done a bit of homework on you, and I know that there was a time when you were a quantitative researcher. So mm. what was it? When was the point of the crossover from the quantitative to mm. the qualitative world? Yeah, that's a very good question. So my first degree was psychology, and as part of my psychology degree, we had extensive sort of research training, which was very much in the scientific approach, lots of stats. And so my first foray into qualitative research was when I did my own PhD. What was that on? Uh, Well, it was looking at the information needs and information-seeking behaviours of women with breast cancer, their husbands, and their adult daughters. And it was primarily quantitative, But because there was very little research in the literature at that time, I basically wanted to develop a questionnaire, and to do that, I thought I'd run some focus groups, which is what I did. But, you know, I look back on that now and kind of cringe at that early research because, you know, I did it in a not really fully understanding the different philosophical approaches to qualitative research, and I did it in a very quantitative way. And so it was published in a Q1 journal. So you dabbled with qualitative then, Mm. although it obviously um, got good airplay. But when did you actually go, well, this is really what I'm going to do for the majority of my research time? I think sort of later on in my career, really. You know, I did more qualitative research than when I was a lecturer. And for the first, oh, I don't know, five or so years... Post-PhD, I was doing a combination of qualitative research, quantitative research, mixed methods, that kind of thing. But it was really as I became more interested in the messiness and complexities of the workplace learning environment, really appreciating the benefits of qualitative research and realising that, you know, quantitative research wasn't really best place to answer the complexity of the types of questions that I was most interested in Mm. I would say Mm. and so you know and so then I actually recognized a gap in myself about my understandings of different the philosophies underpinning different research approaches and so did a sort of research philosophy course and then finally got that aha moment where I realized that actually doing qualitative research underpinned by say social constructionism was a totally different way of looking at reality and knowledge and that that kind of understanding for me I guess spurred me on even more to kind of think oh my goodness you know maybe Mm. I'm more of a qualitative researcher after all Mm. (laughs) so once you came out 
now that you now you know obviously not only looking back but being mm. in qualitative research now do you th- I find that there are some unshakable myths mm. about the value of qualitative research mm. that those often outside of the paradigm hold what do you think some of those unshakable myths well, are t- actually the unshakable myth that I think a lot of people have which is the one that I clearly had when I jumped straight into doing qualitative research for my PhD and that's that you can you can just do it without mm. any training mm. you know that oh you know I'll run a bunch of interviews how hard can that be and I'll do thematic analysis how hard can that be and not really appreciating the different philosophies underpinning it and so I do I think that myth still exists and I say that now looking at it from a different perspective so I was um a deputy editor for medical education which is a leading medical education journal for about eight years and oh my goodness I saw plenty of examples of research qualitative research done really badly with the authors clearly not understanding the philosophies underpinning the type of research that they were doing studies clearly lacking any internal coherence between you know their epistemology their methodology their method and the research being done very quantitatively you know and I could see that really easily having Mm. had experience Mm. myself Mm. doing exactly the same thing but you just can't get away with that Mm. these days you know that's interesting I thought you were going to say size generalizability those sort of myths but you're actually going no philosophy makes the Mm. fundamental difference in yeah, how you I think interpret. so. I think so. And it's um, that unshakable myth, as I say, that positivist approaches are the way of looking at things. And you can do qualitative research very positivistically. And some people do. Mm. But some people do it not even realising that they're doing it mm. because they don't know mm. the different ways and means of doing it differently. approaching mm. research. Very interesting. Absolutely. So let's turn to you and your research for a mm. moment. Tell us about a piece of research that you've done, because I know you've done a lot and you're a highly mm. cited author and you've done heaps of projects. What's a piece of research that you've done that you're really most proud of? I guess the first thing that springs to mind is probably the work that I've done with Lynn Munro, who is currently based at the University of Sydney. Lynn and I have been researching together for, oh God, I've lost track of the number of years, probably about 15 years. And, and we've done a 10-year programme of research together looking at professionalism and looking at healthcare students professionalism dilemmas and you know and we've published lots from that work over the course of years but it's really culminated in us writing and publishing in 2017 a research-based textbook for students and healthcare professionals which really is a culmination of 10 years worth of work and I suppose I'm most proud of that for a number of reasons really obviously you know it's been a 10-year program of research work so there's been a huge amount of work collaborative work that's gone into that um, also, it's the first authored book that I've written, a co-authored book, obviously. Previously, I've edited a book, mm-hmm. but, you know, to actually write a book was a pretty monumental task. It's been a really good, I don't know how to say it really, a really good culmination of Lynn and my work together over such a long period of time. And we're hoping that it really makes a difference 
to healthcare professionalism for a number of healthcare professional students and their teachers, really. Mm, it's interesting. So you kind of got the full gamut there from, you know, sustainable or, you know, a, an enduring project, a number of outputs, but the yeah. one that you're most proud of is the one that actually has impact potentially. Yeah, yeah, and you're yeah. also suggesting, I think, mm. through that, that quant- qualitative research, sorry, can actually make a difference in practice and totally. ways of thinking. Oh, totally, because for our programme of, re- of research, we used a narrative approach and our book has got hundreds of narratives from students that are in their own words and they are incredibly powerful Mm -hmm. and so you know so if anything makes a difference I do think it's listening to the lived experiences of other people and reading that other people are experiencing the same things as you but, you know, but what the book does is takes it one stage further to say, well, you know, if you're in this position, what can you do? What should you do? And how might you do that? Because, you know, all healthcare students will experience professionalism dilemmas where they will witness or participate in something that is unprofessional, unethical, morally wrong. But because of the multiplicity of healthcare hierarchies, they often feel completely disempowered to actually do something that would take them down a line of moral action Mm. um, Mm. because they think they're going to get into trouble, they'll get a black mark against their name, they don't want to rock the boat. And what we hopefully try and do in the book is teach them low-risk strategies for challenging. Is there a significant sort of either reading or concept or idea that's influenced you as a qualitative researcher that you, you carry with you into your work? Yes, absolutely. There's been many... Probably going back to what we were talking about earlier on about my own transition from quant to qual research, one of the things that really helped me wrap my head around the different philosophies underpinning different approaches to research was Michael Crotty's book, which is about the foundations of social research, and that was my aha moment. Mm. And that was uh, recommended to me with the research uh, philosophy training that I did when I was at the University of Exeter, actually. So that's been key. Also, that's been hugely transformational for me is Vivian Burr's book on social constructionism. That's been fabulous. And, you know, other things like Malterud's concept of information power, you know, so thinking about, you know, qualitative research and often criticisms levelled at it, that it's small scale and it's not generalisable and all that kind of thing. And, you know, and over the years, every qualitative sort of research student I've had said oh how many interviews do we do Mm. and it's like how long is a piece of string but I found the Malterud and 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 colleagues work very helpful about this concept of information power shifting us away from the concept of saturation which you know and getting you to think critically about well how much data is enough data based on you know the sample specificity based on how much theory you use in your research you know concepts like that mm. so that's been really helpful. that's good that's helpful mm. i'm sure for others to follow those trails too yeah. so i know we're about we've got about four weeks left of having you at monash um, mm. and you're about to take the next step in your educational leadership journey mm-hmm. so before so 
let's do a state of the Monash nation yep. around educational research. Mm. If you had to do a kind of health check of uh, around educational research, the status of educational research mm. and the practice at Monash, what's your perception, mm. Charlotte? Oh, look, I think it's reasonably healthy. You know, I don't think it's ill in any way, but it could absolutely be better. And with the quality and impact agendas now very prevalent in Australian higher education institutions, I think there have been a few shifts for the better, certainly over the years that I've been here, that have impacted on health professions education research at Monash and will continue to do so. So firstly, um, an emphasis on quality rather than quantity, which is really very important. Secondly, an emphasis on engagement and impact. And thirdly, an emphasis on educational research rather than just doing scholarship of teaching and learning. Well, we know you will leave a gap at Monash, but we do comfort ourselves knowing that you retain your connection with Monash. Absolutely. Um, and so we hope to get you back and do more with around educational research. But thank you for having a chat about it today. Thanks, Ali.